The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Technology and adjusting values of success and happiness are changing the way we live and work. If you are a homeowner, aspiring homeowner, or business professional, these transitions are affecting your real estate decisions now. Welcome to the future of real estate with Jessica Stoner. Jessica and her guests will key you into the technological evolution and other factors that will affect all aspects of real estate, your home, and community of the future. Now, here is your host, Jessica Stoner. Welcome. I'm so glad you can join us today. You are listening to The Future of Real Estate, and I'm your host, Jessica Stoner. You can like me on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, add me on Google+, and you can find all these contacts on my website, realestatefuture.ca. Today, we're talking about the modern nomad. We'll discuss what a modern nomad is and why it's a lifestyle option nowadays and will continue to likely grow significantly as a lifestyle option in the future. We have two really interesting guests today. We have Nick Doran, who is a computer programming consultant of no fixed address, and John Carl, who is uh, a realtor in Edmonton, Alberta with Remax, and he will be chatting with us about his mobile lifestyle experience where him and his family hit the road for a year in an RV while he continued to work. So what makes a mobile lifestyle possible nowadays where we didn't really hear about that too much uh, being mainstream even a few years ago? Mostly it's technology that has allowed us to do this. There are more jobs that are computer and internet based, and it simply allows people to be able to work from more than just the office. So we have less need for face-to-face meetings because we have the technology that allows us to do uh, face-to-face virtual meetings. So we have Skype and Google Hangout and FaceTime and a number of other uh, softwares that allow us to do this and it's free so you know the it's not just the advent of new technology it's the fact that it's very very accessible that makes this possible we have more companies that are becoming more comfortable with work being done from the home or outside of the office so it's just with studies being uh, released nowadays that companies are realizing that workers do tend to be more efficient when they're working from outside of the office. There's less distractions. They This is quite a surprise to a lot of the companies, but workers have better technology equipment at home. So it's really quite redundant when the companies try to keep up to date with the latest and greatest technology and try to um, equip their offices with all of this technology and they just can't keep up. It's very expensive and their workers at home 
are keeping up and they're spending their own money to buy the latest and greatest. So it's just more efficient and cost effective for both the employee and the employer to utilize the equipment that the employees are buying already. So the company can, they can subsidize the employees for uh, the equipment they're buying and it's still going to be less expensive than duplicating it with less effective equipment in the office. It's also a cost advantage to employers once they have a large part of their workforce working from outside of the office. They need less commercial space, and so it becomes more cost effective that way. For the worker, it's quite clear why a lot of people would prefer to work from home or from outside of the office. The biggest reason, of course, being that they don't have to commute, and the commute has got to be one of the largest declining quality of lives for people because it's getting more and more difficult. There's more and more cars on the road. It's taking more time. It's not a pleasant experience for most people. So eliminating the need for a commute really does improve the quality of life for a lot of people. Not to mention that they get to work from home where they have more time at home now. Maybe they have a little more time to cook at home so they have a healthier lifestyle. Uh, They're more efficient because they're not distracted from uh, co-workers and that kind of thing. Um, Maybe they get to spend just a little more time with their children or be able to to walk the dog or whatnot. So it really is a win-win situation as more companies are recognizing that this is doable and it's still efficient. Um, It's been a little bit of a resistance on employers' parts because they feel that if the employees aren't being supervised, they're not getting anything done. And it's been shown that that's not uh, the case. So we have more tech jobs as well that is also increasing this mobile lifestyle. So it's not just the fact that traditional jobs can now possibly be done from home, but there's just more jobs that are technology-oriented that are being developed that um, is designed to be done on the computer and um, through the internet. So this attracts the newer, younger generations coming into the workforce. And this is a generation that has a complete lack of separation between their work life and any other part of their lives. For this younger generation um, that have grown up constantly online, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever for them to go to a specific place to do exactly what they're doing any other time of the day on the same devices. So because it just makes sense for them to do their work from where they are, it's a logical extension that they will be able to travel and continue to work. This is quite different from the past when we had young people who would take, for example, a gap year between high school and university and they would travel. This is an extension of that. This is a gap year that can go on many years and it's not time off. They can start their careers while they're traveling and a lot of them do. And this isn't um, limited just to the younger generations either. There's a lot of uh, people who've been in the workforce for a long time realizing that this is a possibility and embarking on a work and travel lifestyle. There's other technology that is allowing more of a mobile lifestyle as well. For example, we have very good correspondence schooling and remote schooling. Basically, as long as families 
have access to the internet. They have quality education for their children. They don't have to travel when the kids aren't in school anymore. It's not a requirement. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to move to the right neighborhoods to get the good schools anymore. As long as you have an internet connection, you could have your children educated um, the way you want. We have other things that are leading us towards a more mobile lifestyle. We have the retirees. Um, They've always had a somewhat mobile lifestyle because they have the freedom to do so. They're not tied down to having to be in a particular city so they can go to work anymore. So they have always been a little more uh, fluid than um, the workforce. But we have the baby boomers, the biggest generation out there right now, heading into retirement. And they have no intention to stay put. We have boomers that will be snowbirds. Snowbirds, for those who are not familiar, are the folks who live in the northern climates and would really rather be warm and cozy in the winter as opposed to in the in the snow in minus 20 degrees. So though that's always been a lifestyle for many retirees, it's going to expand significantly as we have this very large generation head into retirement. In addition to that, this same generation and most retirees, they want to travel to visit their kids and their grandkids and other family. They're going to travel for experience. They've been working all their lives. It's time for them to get out and see the world. Many of them may have multiple homes. They've sold their big family home in the city or in the suburbs, and now they're buying smaller properties that are easy to maintain and multiples of them in different locations based on what their needs are. So it's... um, something that's going to be quite relevant to real estate markets in the markets they're selling as well as in the markets they're buying. And we have, of course, the traditional retiree RV lifestyle, and we'll see an awful lot of that. If people haven't looked at RVs lately, these are literally traveling homes. They are very high quality, very luxurious, and um, people can get out and about and live in their RV for the rest of their lives. And others may rent because they have no intention of being tied down to one spot or another. They want to be able to go when they want, where they want, um, and have the freedom to uh, do what they want now that they're retired. So we have the digital nomad that we had talked about, which is the workforce that can travel and work solely from their computer and uh, as long as they have an internet connection. We have the nomadic snowbirds who are traveling from the north to uh, warmer climates in the winter. We have location-independent workers, which is a little different than the digital nomads. These people may not have um, internet style jobs. This can be people who travel and uh, maybe they do pop-up shops or stores um, wherever they happen to travel to, or they may be a traveling masseuse or physiotherapist, or possibly something like a mobile bike mechanic. So, and then one of the ones we see quite often in my area, I live in Canberra, Alberta in Canada, and it's a small mountain town and we have a lot of construction. So we see a lot of construction workers that live a mobile lifestyle. They will move from site to site, wherever their work happens to be, and they'll live in that location during the time that they're working, and then they'll move on to the next site. So location-independent workers actually are not necessarily um, digital, but are still 
driving this mobile lifestyle. And then, of course, we have the nomadic families. We're going to talk to John Carl uh, later on in the show, and he had traveled with his family in an RV for a year, and uh, that he'll give us some insight into the nomadic family. And then something you don't hear an awful lot about, but there's the nomadic communities. So these are groups of families or individuals or people that will travel as a community. The sense of community is becoming stronger and the need to have communities becoming stronger all the time. You'll see this as a theme that is going on throughout the next many shows that we have because this is becoming more and more important to uh, people to have that sense of connection. So we'll talk just a little bit later on in the show about nomadic communities, which are people who are living the mobile lifestyle, but they do it as a group. So they may travel together as a group or they may just meet up in certain locations as a group. It could be family oriented. It could be friend oriented. It could just be passion oriented. So people who travel to surf and so they keep meeting up with each other. It could be family oriented, but not necessarily your family. So maybe a group of families are traveling together so that their kids have consistent friends and they can attend virtual school together, etc. So we have quite a bit of new options and opportunities that are available that we just hadn't seen in the past. And it really is quite exciting. We have municipalities and cities that are struggling with this new lifestyle because there's a lot of resistance to having what they consider tourism in the middle of uh, residential areas. And now we're realizing it's not necessarily tourism. This is actually somebody's home for the next two weeks. (laughs) So we'll have a lot of struggles as we grow into this lifestyle, but we're also going to see more and more of it. And uh, we will eventually get to the point where it becomes uh, very um, common and um, it'll be just a normal lifestyle to have no fixed address. We're going to head on into a break. When I get back, we're going to be chatting with Nick Doran, a software developer consultant of No Fixed Address. He'll tell us what it's like to live the Airbnb lifestyle. And please feel free to use this opportunity to visit my website, realestatefuture.ca. And we'll talk to you when we're back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Future of Real Estate with Jessica Stoner. To learn more about the topics on today's show, visit www.realestatefuture.ca. Now, back to the future of real estate. We're back. We're talking with Nick Doran, who is a software developer consultant of No Fixed Address. I'm quite excited to talk to Nick because he lives an Airbnb-style lifestyle, which basically means he has no permanent address. He lives in short-term rentals in different areas on a regular basis. So, Nick, welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you could be on the show. Yeah, thanks. So, Nick, can you tell us what made you decide to live this mobile lifestyle? So, back in 2012, I started a job in San Francisco. Uh, The office was in San Francisco, but a lot of our work was in other cities, even on the East Coast. And, you know, San Francisco is a really expensive market to try to get an apartment. I had never really done a lease before. So I thought, oh, I'll just Airbnb for a few months, see how it goes, maybe sign an agreement with someone later on if I like staying there. And it kind of snowballed and was doing that for a year. And then uh, back in 2014, I uh, moved to New York, had the same kind of idea. I wanted to live in Airbnb. And so now I've been doing that for two and a half years. That's fantastic. So when you moved from San Francisco to New York, that must have been a sort of unexpected benefit that you didn't have a long-term lease you had to get out of. Yeah, because uh, when I had moved out of a lease before, you know, you have to pay different things. You have to talk to the landlord or landlady to make sure everything's settled. You kind of don't have that freedom to just suddenly move to another city and start a new job until someone else is ready for you to do it. Whereas... Uh, what I happened in this case was I got the job. I told everyone, well, uh, this is what's happened. I'll, you know, work the next few weeks, give my notice, and then just move to the other city by just putting my luggage on the airplane. Yeah, that's fantastic. What cities have you lived in doing this lifestyle? Uh, so longer term, I've done San Francisco, New York, uh, Chicago for a little bit, and then uh when I started traveling for work, I got to live in uh, Yangon in Myanmar and uh, uh, Bangkok in Thailand, uh, just working there, but also not having to worry about, you know, a lease there or at least mm-hmm. back home that was there. Yeah, that must be uh, quite the benefit that you are traveling for work, but you're not having to pay for accommodation at home that you're not using for a good portion of the time. Right. I was so lucky to find this job because I was already moving around 
And they said, can you travel for work? I said, yeah, of course I can do that. Traveling already. And they said, oh, well, we'll pay for you to stay over there. And, you know, you can figure out what you want to do in San Francisco or New York, like where you're based. And so whenever I was traveling with them, uh, they were paying my rent over there and I didn't have to pay anything back at home. And these are probably things you weren't really thinking about when you started. They're just really nifty benefits that uh, just came about, eh? No, I never imagined it. Like I thought that uh, I would travel like this just because when I first moved to a city, I don't know anything about it. Like I don't know what neighborhood of San Francisco or what neighborhood of New York. Like I don't think I even knew all the boroughs of New York. There are five boroughs and they have this different cultural vibe to them. So when you move in, people say, what borough are you going to move to? Where are you going to stay? And I didn't know anything like that. So uh, I was really lucky that I, I could travel around and try out a bunch of different neighborhoods. And then this job was really lucky as well that they were able to accommodate that. Do you know a lot of the boroughs now? Have you got to experience all of the different neighborhoods? So there's way too many neighborhoods in New York to see all of them. Right. But I did make it my mission. I said in the first six months, I'm going to live at least for a couple of weeks in all five boroughs plus New Jersey. And I did it after like six months. I just just made it. And that was, I, that was really nice because I got to see different parts of the city. You know, in one part of the city, uh, like Chinatown is a particular vibe to it. And then you go to another part of the city and the grocery store, they have like cactus because there are different people there that want different food in their grocery store. And just New York is just a really interesting place like that. Well, no kidding. You must have just been exposed all the time to completely different things that you would never have been able to experience if you lived in one community in one neighborhood. Right. I mean, I think a lot of people have similar impressions of New York, but only after they've lived there for a much longer time. Or I'll find out people have lived in New York their whole lives and never visited like uh, Roosevelt Island or some other weird little spots of New York, which are harder right. to get to. So you got like a crash course in, in New York culture in a very short period of time. Yeah, yeah, I felt that way. Oh, that's great. Um, do you ever see yourself settling down to one location? This is fun now, but will it get tired? Uh, so I've enjoyed it for a long time now. Uh, if uh, the right situation came up or if they're like, you know, if I got married or if I broke my leg or something and someone was like, you really need to settle down now. You can't just like go and like randomly travel. I would right. totally accept that. I think that now I have more experience knowing about different places and what to expect from different environments. They could like pick a neighborhood that I really liked uh, from that experience. But I don't see it happening in the near future, though. Okay. Well, that's interesting. What... How do you find this affects your work? Is it difficult not having the consistency to um, be able to work on a regular basis, have solid Wi-Fi, that kind of thing? So one of the good things about Airbnb is you can see everyone's reviews. You can see do they have uh, Wi-Fi in, in there. So I've been really lucky most of the time, almost all the time when I've had an Airbnb, uh, the Wi-Fi has been really good even when I'm traveling overseas and 
or else how would they get on Airbnb to post, right? Uh, what I've been fortunate about is when I lived in New York, I would go to the office every day, and you know sometimes my commute was from different places, or I would bring my luggage because I was moving that day, and people were really understanding and accommodating, so I'm really lucky for that. That's nice because it must be a little bit of a an oddity to a lot of people that you just you know you're homeless. Oh yeah, I mean I don't know. Like in the interview process, I don't tell them like, oh by the way, when I work for you, I'm actually going to be just traveling around all the time. Uh, not really something that would make sense to a lot of people. Uh, but then over time, I'll say, yeah, yeah, I've been trying to do this. Like I think people when they move to a new city and are starting to rent, maybe they'll book a place for a month on Airbnb or I've heard a lot about a lot of people who they travel to a city for an internship and Airbnb for a few months. Uh, What's really only unusual about this is that I just never stop doing that. Like I just continue doing month to month or even as short as like a two week rental. Well, it seems to really work for you. You seem to really get a lot out of it. Do you think this is going to be something that other people catch on to because it's an opportunity now? It's an option where, you know, the Airbnb lifestyle wasn't really a thing before. So do you think it'll catch on? It could. I mean, uh, I'm working remotely now, so that gives me the freedom to really just decide where do I want to work from while I'm contributing to this project. I mean, as long as there's a good internet connection and the boss feels like I'm on board with the project, then I'm in a good space. And I do hear about other people who are using Airbnb or maybe other services to live a similar kind of lifestyle month to month. There aren't that many, but, you know, if a friend of a friend hears about me and they hear about this other person, they usually we usually find each other. They tell us about what this other person's doing. And mm-hmm. I even heard there's... a a couple with a baby in New York that's uh, doing something similar. Every month they're moving to a different uh, apartment. So that's really impressive. I think there's some people who just realize, oh, this is possible. I've always wanted to see what it's like to live here. And then it's like, just go and do that. And now people can. What what a great experience. Mm-hmm. Nick, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of that with us today. If you wanted more information on how to contact Nick, please feel free to visit realestatefuture.ca and his contact information will be on today's blog post. And we're going to head into a break. When we get back, we'll be chatting with John Carl, a realtor in Edmonton, Alberta with Remax Real Estate. And he's going to chat with us about uh, a year he lived on the road in an RV with his family while he was working. We will see you when we get back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. 
It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to the future of real estate with Jessica Stoner. To learn more about the topics on today's show, visit www.realestatefuture.ca. Now, back to the future of real estate. We're back, and we're talking with John Carl, a realtor in Edmonton, Alberta, with Remax Real Estate. John, you had lived and worked and traveled for a year with your family in an RV. What made you decide to hit the road for a year? Well, I I think we were just getting tired of the sedimentary life we were leading. We wanted to shake things up. We wanted an adventure. Um, And I won't deny that maybe we drank a little too much wine one night and came up with the idea. (laughs) That always leads to interesting decisions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'm glad we did it. And it was a wonderful experience for everyone. And... You know, I I can't encourage people to travel enough. You know, it's interesting that you say, because people can live a mobile lifestyle nowadays, or at least some people have that option. But, you know, the real question is why? Why the desire to travel? And, and, you know, you just said it. It's as simple as we want an adventure. We don't want to see the same thing every day. So that's, that's good to know that that's why this lifestyle may be something that becomes mainstream. Now, how yep, did you manage exactly. to travel and work? Well, I'm fortunate enough that um, I work with a team of realtors who had my back through the entire process. Um, because as you know, there are certain things that we have to be physically present for. Putting up signs, taking pictures, that sort of thing. But so much of what we can be doing with our clients in this business has become remote. Um, it, gone are the days, at least in my market, where the buyer's realtor shows up at the seller's house to sit down with the seller's realtor and present their offer. We email everything now. Mm-hmm. We have most of our conversations over the phone via Skype or some other technology. So why do we have to be local to do most of that? And fortunately, with the support of some friends, I was able to maintain my client list, maintain my transactional volume, and go, and just go away. Did your clients mind? You know, a lot of them didn't even know, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, 
I, I didn't advertise the fact to the, you know, to the extreme that I would say to them, oh, by the way, you'll never see me. Mm-hmm. Um, but those who did know, if we were, you know, previous clients who were on Facebook or, you know, friends that knew I was traveling, they never seemed to have an issue with it. I would say maybe two or three of my clients didn't transact with me because I was away. Okay. Um, and, I mean, I, I do a large enough volume that two or three clients wasn't really all that bit of a loss. They were good people, but, I, I mean, we we didn't need the money. Right. Yeah. How did the technology allow you to do this? Was it simply a matter of you had an internet connection so you were fine? Or did you need other technologies to make it work? Was Skype an essential technology or... Were there any other tools that were essential to making this happen? You know, certainly the internet connection is the baseline of what was most important. And it was a real challenge for us. Um, Because we were so mobile, and because we were living in an RV, we didn't have good internet access on a landline. Anybody who's gone to a campground and tried to use the free Wi-Fi knows that it's a nightmare. Um, Hmm. So I was spending a lot of time at Tim Hortons and in Canada or Starbucks or Walmart or McDonald's trying to reconnect to the world through the Internet. Um, certainly, I would say the prevalence of easy access Internet-based telecom was crucial. So not only was it important that I have Skype, but obviously whomever I'm speaking to has to have some sort of connection that I can work with. And almost right. everybody in this day and age has Facebook video messaging or Skype or Google Hangout or any of these technologies. So I just made sure I had the big ones and I could communicate with almost anyone. That is really great. Yeah, I had actually Did a you... great experience from clients that I, that I hadn't talked to in many years. They called me up and wanted me to list their home for sale. And I was sitting in a coffee shop in uh, Savannah, Georgia. Uh, and if anyone knows geography, Savannah, Georgia is really far away from Edmonton, Canada. <laughs> um, and when they saw the background, they asked me where I was. I told them we spent the next 45 minutes talking about my adventures. And they said, oh, and by the way, um, can you send us paperwork to send on the house? Wasn't that fantastic? It was, it was just that easy. Oh, that's really great. It is true. You know, you don't see the clients face-to-face most of the time nowadays anyway, so really where you are is rather irrelevant as long as you can get the work done and it's quality work. And now, that's what people care about most. Yeah, of course. Now, you had your children with you. How mm-hmm. did you manage schooling while they were traveling? Well, the, the curriculum requirements for homeschooling are pretty light. Um, it worked out to be about two hours a day that they were needed to be doing schooling in order to meet with their educational requirements to move on to the next grade. Um, We were very fortunate that because we were only gone for a year, (laughs) only gone for a year, um, (laughs) we, we just outreached to our school and they helped us with anything we needed. But what I found most interesting was that of the two hours, if we took out things like science, geography, history, because we were living those experiences. Our, our kids really only needed to spend three or four hours a week doing their homework, uh, learning to read and write and improving their skills there uh, with things like mathematics. Well, with modern technology, there's great apps on iPads 
that allowed them to develop those skills. So I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but their education really consisted of getting into the truck to drive to the next campground. And while we're driving, throwing a couple of iPads back for them and letting them do their school games. And that, that was their education. Well, you know, traveling is said to be the best education and your children probably got an amazing education just by experiencing all these different locations you guys went to. So that's, that's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my son recently had an argument with one of his teachers. They were learning about uh, one of the wars in Canadian history and he argued with the teacher about what happened and won the argument because he said, I think only one of us has actually been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have yeah. to be careful uh, so, the, the, if they get too much education. <laughs> yeah, he's a cheeky little fellow. I don't know who he got that <laughs> Sounds one from. it. Yeah. Now, what did you do with your home when you were traveling? Uh, we actually rented it out. We, we were fortunate somebody needed a one-year rental on a home while they were having a house built, so they took ours. So now, you, we didn't have to deal with VRBO or anything like that. You really enjoyed your experience. Yeah. Do you think this type of excursion will become something that is the norm? That is just maybe it's not something people will do full time and they, they won't live this way, you know, for many years at a time. But do you think this kind of traveling, working sabbatical will be something that is um, commonplace in the future? I sure hope so. I, I I look back at the experiences that we had, the people we met, the places we saw, and the exposure we had to different cultures and attitudes and, and, and ways of thinking, and I sure hope this becomes a very commonplace thing. Um, there, there's just so much available out there, and as you were saying previously, the expectation of staying grounded in the big glass office tower downtown it's fading so why not enjoy the world how do you think if it does become mainstream not not just you know your experience there about what nick was talking about and these other options to fit some kind of mobility into your lifestyle how do you think that might affect the traditional real estate landscape i i don't know i i think it'll be interesting that we might see more people like him that are not purchasing homes. But at the same time, we might see a new investment property model develop where he might buy a home, say, in New York City, and never live in it. Just VRBO it out all the time while he grabs another one. Um, and it's and, funny and that I you say that because I that. did actually I did actually talk to Nick specifically about that, and he did indicate that that was a possibility. Yeah, I, I can also see isn't where a home and a place to live. Real estate is also, even today, the greatest investment you can make for a secure future. Just because you're not living in the home doesn't mean you shouldn't own real estate and create that foundation. And it's true. If you're living the B&B lifestyle, sorry, the Airbnb lifestyle, you see the advantages of having one yourself. So I can see that it won't necessarily be, um, it won't necessarily be people buying 
for their permanent home, but it's just buying because uh, they see that it's a, a valid investment. So it's a little different motivation, but it's still it's unlikely we'll have a big inventory of homes because we don't have people buying them anymore. We still have the need for people to be in them. So therefore, whether it's these very same people or just different investors, but it seems that they will pick up the inventory and uh, um, it'll just, I'm thinking it probably won't change to any great degree just based on this type of lifestyle. Right. The occupation, sorry, the occupancy of the residences of those homes might change. But exactly. ownership, I don't think, will. Yeah. Now, do you see, and I'm, I'm talking to you, you know, kind of you had this experience, but also as a realtor, I see a lot of um, municipalities and cities resisting this Airbnb lifestyle, feeling that people are having tourists in residential areas, which is inappropriate. But when we look at it this way, this is not tourism. This is people's homes, even if it's temporary. Just very quickly, what do you think about that? Well, the first thing I would say is that having tourism in a residential area should not be inappropriate. Um, If you want to get to know a culture, don't go stay at the big hotel. Get into the neighborhoods. And the people who can afford to travel and can afford this sort of a lifestyle are not delinquents. These are not homeless gypsies who are going to steal your chickens. These are good, decent people for the most part. Why would you not want them in your residential neighborhood? Uh, And think about the experiences and the culture they can bring to you. Right? Mm -hmm. But to answer your bigger question, um, it's change. It's something new. It's something unknown. And, of course, there'll be pushback. Uh, I'm certain that the large hotel franchises feel threatened by Airbnb and VRBO because it's a threat to their business model. We've been through this as real estate agents that the for-sale-by-owner models, the fee-for-service companies, as they were gaining popularity, we thought that they might be a threat to our business models. And for many of us, they were. But for many others of us, they were a non-factor. And I think a lot of the pushback that we're seeing inside of municipalities, if we really dug down, we would see it's probably coming from the hotel industry, just Mm -hmm. as the taxi industry is leading the charge against Uber. It's very true. We'll work it all out. Demand is going to is not going to slow down based on municipalities' resistance. So I'm sure we'll get there in the end. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much for joining me today. That was really interesting. I, uh, I just find this a very fascinating topic, and uh, that was quite helpful. For anybody well, wanting more... chatting with you. Oh, thanks, John. For anyone wanting more information, uh, contact information for John Carl, please visit realestatefuture.ca, and under today's blog post, we'll have his contact information in his bio. We're going to head on into a break, and we'll be back in a moment. you've seen everything there is to see in online television let us surprise you visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports health business and more on demand 24 7 have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to The Future of Real Estate with Jessica Stoner. To learn more about the topics on today's show, visit www.realestatefuture.ca. Now, back to the future of real estate. We're talking about the modern nomad today. We have talked to a couple of different individuals and how they've applied some mobility to their lives. There's quite a number of different models. And the more you talk to people who actually do live this lifestyle to some degree, the more you realize there is very, very little restriction on how you structure your lives to incorporate more mobility. So we have the digital nomad. We had talked about how there are jobs out there that are completely digital, designed solely to be done on your uh, computer and through the internet. And basically, if you have a laptop and the internet, you're good to go. We have the location independent worker, which could be a digital digital nomad, but it doesn't have to be a digital job. These are workers that could uh, be entrepreneurs. Maybe they travel around for their own purposes and where they are, they set up pop-up stores or it's a maybe a mobile masseuse or mobile physiotherapist or possibly a... Um, uh, a traveling uh, bike mechanic. There, there's a lot of flexibility for individuals who want to work, and it doesn't have to be through the internet. We have. Uh, I live in Canmore, Alberta, in um, the Rocky Mountains in Canada, and we're a resort town, and we have a lot of construction uh, currently. We have a lot of construction workers that live in the area, and we're a small town, so we don't have the uh, the number of workers to fulfill the job. So we have people come from outside of town sometimes, and they're a location-independent worker. So they will come from wherever they live. They will work on the job site and live in the town for this period of time, and then they move on to the next job site wherever that happens to be, and then they live there. So they are living a very mobile lifestyle, whether they live in their RV while they're traveling or whether they're doing um, short-term rentals or um, whether they have accommodation set up through their employer. It's still another option for a location-independent worker. We also have, as another mobile lifestyle, is, of course, the snowbirds. The snowbirds are 
the folks who live up in the colder regions, somewhat where near where I live. And, um, you know, now that they have the freedom, because snowbirds tend to be retirees, and they have the freedom and they can uh, spend winters down in the warmer climates. It's not always retirees doing this. We see more and more people as they're leading into retirement, they're backing off on work, maybe working half a year and uh, living down south for um, the other half of the year. We have nomadic families, and we had just talked with John Carl, and that was an example of a family who is traveling and working and uh, living a mobile lifestyle to some degree. We also have nomadic communities. And I wish we had a little more time so we could explore this because this is something that doesn't, it's not mainstream at this point, but it definitely seems to be something that will be uh, becoming very important and more prevalent in the future. Community and a sense of connection is a theme that you'll see throughout quite a number of the shows on the future of real estate. And uh, these upcoming shows all seem to have this common theme of connection because it's something that we seem to be missing in our modern lifestyle. So these nomadic communities are groups of whether they're families or, um, you know, friends, or even just people who have a common uh, passion, such as surfing or kite surfing, and they travel as a community. So they have their RVs and they are traveling literally in a caravan, or sometimes they're not traveling together, but they keep meeting up in the same places. And again, I'll come to the, the surfing example because they end up going to the same locations where there's good surfing at certain times of year. And this allows them to have that connection. So even though you're traveling and you're on the road and you're meeting lots of new people and this is exciting, you still have the consistency and the bond that is important to um, to everyone. So we, there are examples of families that are uh, traveling as a nomadic community, um, but you'll also start seeing maybe families that are not related to each other. They're just a variety of different families that are traveling together. So their children have consistent friends and they can attend virtual school together and that kind of thing. So we have different ways to accommodate these different types of mobile workers. We have uh, the co-work and living businesses out there, and that's the companies that are designed to um, specifically accommodate the people who are living this lifestyle, especially the digital nomad. So it's kind of based on a hostel idea um, where you have your own room. Sometimes they're dorm rooms. Sometimes you have your own and you have a common kitchen and common living area. The big thing is you also have common workspace. It's designed specifically for people who are there and they understand that we have to work while we're traveling and they have good Wi-Fi connections. They have tools that are necessary for uh, to accommodate this work of group, uh, group of workers. Sometimes they have a example of uh, co-work and living arrangements um, that are, again, based on one's passion. I'll come back to the surfing example. I'm not a surfer. I don't know why I keep coming back to that example. <laughs> but in Europe, there is a company called Surf Office. And they have locations in Portugal and a couple other locations that are designed for surfers to come. They surf during the day. <laughs> They're 
living with like-minded people and they're also working when they're not surfing and they have both the co-work space and the co-living arrangements in the same complex. So that is um, very popular and they're expanding. We have the different ways for people to be housed while they're doing this. We also have what we talked about when Nick was doing the Airbnb lifestyle or VRBO, which is vacation rental by owner. We have the RV life. And this is really quite popular and always has been with the uh, retirees. But nowadays, these RVs, and I don't know if you've looked at an RV lately, but some of them are literally like uh, traveling homes. They are incredibly luxurious. They have you know, more luxuries in their homes than, than, you know, we do in our own homes. And uh, they will literally be able to travel in this RV for the rest of their lives. It, it is their home. There's also the van life, which is a very small version of the RV life. And uh, we also have the fact that many of these people that are living a mobile lifestyle have multiple homes. So they have their own home, maybe in a city where they worked because they have their friends and family and, and connections there. But they also want to travel to other locations, maybe warmer locations, maybe a location near their children and grandchildren. So you will find there's a lot of these retirees that are uh, selling their large family home in the cities where they had worked. And now they're buying smaller quality homes, but multiples of them in other locations. So you have a pretty good idea now of what the mobile lifestyle is about and how it may affect real estate in the future. Next week, at the same time, we're going to have a show that's going to be on the uh, building the home of the future. So that show is going to focus on uh, building in factory. So some of them will be modular. We'll have another company in that builds um, in factory kits and they assemble it on site. And we're going to talk about how and why this may very much be um, the building process of the future and how construction will change. Feel free to visit realestatefuture.ca. If you have uh, any need to uh, look for a realtor in your area and you're looking for somebody who is a little more modern, a little more familiar with the type of information we're talking about, feel free to send me a note and I'm happy to connect you with a realtor in your area. We're going to sign out now. I look forward to seeing you next week. We hope you've enjoyed and have been inspired from today's edition of The Future of Real Estate. Be sure to join Jessica Stoner again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.